my Bible on my own devotionally, I often walk away feeling at peace. Because over and over again, regardless of whether I'm in Old Testament, New Testament, whatever book I'm in, one thing that I walk away more convinced of is that God is powerful, sovereign, and good. So we just sang a God, about a God who holds the oceans in his hands, numbers every grain of sand. Scripture certainly has what we would call a very big view of God, and it's right for us to sing songs with a very big view of God. But maybe even while you sing those kinds of songs and read those kinds of Scripture passages, you feel a little bit of a tension because you can say, yes, I believe that we have a powerful, sovereign, good God who not only numbers every grain of sand on the seashore, but knows every hair on our head. Yet, we look at our own lives and the lives of people we love, and if we're honest, a lot of times it feels kind of like a mess. Some of us in here today are in a marriage that has not been healthy for a long time or ever. And you're not sure, honestly, if you're honest, if whether a year from now you'll still be married. And it hurts. Some of you long to be married. You're not. Some of you long to have children and you don't. And you know the sovereign God who can do anything can, but hasn't answered our prayer at least in the way that we wanted to, and it hurts. Some of us today have been hurtly, hurt deeply by others. You've been victims of other people's sin, their betrayal, their abuse. Some of you in here today have lost someone that you loved. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was a long time ago, but there's still maybe not a sting as much as a dull ache and an emptiness that still exists, and that hurts too. Some of you have been battling health issues, maybe not just like the last week, but maybe for months and maybe for years, and you try to put a positive spin on it, but if you're honest, sometimes you're just sick of it, you're exhausted, you're discouraged, you're angry, you're frustrated, and you're hurting. So how do we reconcile a good, sovereign, all-powerful God with the reality of a really hard life? Do we just ignore our hurts and just try to be happier? As Thanksgiving comes this week, do we just say what we're thankful for and just try to forget about all the things that we want to actually complain about instead? Today, We've restructured the worship service for one day on purpose to help us not just learn about what it looks like to lament, but to practice lamenting together. Why? Well, because Scripture shows us lament all over the place. We, in fact, have a book of the Bible. One of the 66 books of the Bible is called Lamentations, right? And over one-third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Jesus himself quotes from a psalm of lament while he hangs on the cross saying from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see lament all over scripture. 
And today we're going to look at one psalm of lament, Psalm chapter 13, and we're going to do it in two parts. We're going to look at the first four verses right now, where we're going to learn what it looks like to turn to the Lord with our complaints and questions and requests. And then before we move on, we're going to do that through singing together, through prayer, and through singing together a little bit more. And then we're going to look at two verses that teach us to trust in a second part of the sermon, moving us from hurt to hope. And we're going to practice that by then singing another song. And so a little bit different today, and I hope it's a little bit different that is helpful for us who are gathered in this place. Psalm 13 is what we're going to be looking at. If you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have desired to reveal yourself and even desiring to reveal yourself in all different kinds of Scripture. That there's stories, that there's letters, that there's, there's poetry, that there's songs, that there's prayers. And so God, as we look at Psalm 13 today, would you be at work by your Spirit, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. Not just affecting how we think, but affecting how we feel. Would you help us to think, yes, of ourselves and our situation, but would you help us to be more aware of those around us right here and this morning who are struggling, who are hurting in all sorts of different ways, and maybe it's hidden well. But God, I pray that you would be at work by your Spirit, through your Word, for your glory in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to look at Psalm 13. I'll just read verses 1 through 4. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Amen. You can be seated. Now, here's a challenge that comes with the Psalms. We can't study the context quite as well as we can in another book of the Bible. Thankfully, we have... Uh, from very early on, these subtitles that show up. And if you look at Psalm chapter 13, there is a subtitle there. Maybe your, your uh, translation also has a title kind of for the psalm. How long, O Lord, would be the title if we put a title to it. And the subtitle is this. It tells us something about the context. To the choir master, a psalm of David. Psalm of David most likely means that David, the king of Israel, is the one who wrote this psalm, and it's a psalm that it says it's to the choir master. Kind of interesting. So you hear me read this, and it might sound a little bit like somebody got a hold of David's diary and is just reading an entry on a particularly rough day that David was having. But that's not what Psalm 13 is. It's not David's private diary entry when he was having a really tough day that one time. 
Psalm 13 is something that the Holy Spirit inspired David to write that was to be delivered to the choir master that God's people might use it when they gathered together, seemingly singing it if it's to the choir master, that it might be used to build up God's people. So we learn something about the context of this from that subtitle. Psalm 13, what do we notice? Well, if you look at verses 1 to 2, you're going to notice that there are five questions right off the bat. Four of them start with the phrase, how long? We don't know much about David's particular situation at this time, but we know whatever it is, it's not desirable. Things are not going the way David would like. Yes, David, I think, could sing the song that we just sang. Behold our God, He has numbered every grain of sand. We believe in a good, sovereign, all-powerful God, and David did as well, but that didn't prevent him from complaining and asking some hard questions to God based on how he's actually feeling. So let's look at what we notice. Look at verse 1. I think in verse 1 we see him addressing his relationship with God. What's his relationship with God like at that moment? And David writes this again, not just for himself, but for the good of God's people who also might be feeling just like this. How long, he says, O Lord, will you forget me forever? We get a sense right off the bat, by asking the question, how long, four times, this is not just like a pop-up problem, just a bad day. This is something that's been hard for a long time. So he asks, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? We know from reading other psalms that David desires intimacy with God. He longs to see God's face. I thought about this when I was reading this psalm, how in Psalm 27, verse 4, David says this, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That's what David desires, that kind of relationship with God, where he is gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. But what he's feeling in this moment is not a longing gaze after the beauty of the Lord, but he's wondering if God is hidden from him. How long, he asked God, will you hide your face from me? He feels no intimacy with God, feels forgotten by God, and I wonder if there's any of you in here right now who are feeling the same. Like you know that God is there, but he seems hidden. You're not feeling any kind of intimacy with him. You've prayed and you're still struggling. It hasn't gotten any better, and maybe it's gotten worse. And you might, like David, call out to God, will you forget me forever? Struggle in your relationship with God. Maybe there's hurt and struggle in your self. I think he gets kind of internal here in verse 2. Look at what it says in verse 2. How long must I take counsel in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all the day. David's taking counsel with himself and it's not going well. 
his heart feels like it's filled with sorrow all the day. And some of you, you could say, my struggle is not so much with God or with others. My struggle is right here internally, right here in my mind. And you're feeling the weight of this day after day after day. The way that your mind spins with lies. The way that you so quickly can just replay the past like it's in a loop and you can't get out of it. The way that you're anxious all the time about the future, what might be coming. That you feel deep sorrow in your heart and you, like David, are tired of it and you're saying, how long, O Lord? And at the end of verse 2, you see David struggling with others. There's hurt there too. It says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David's just trying to be a man after God's own heart, but stuff just keeps going badly for him. Well, those who are opposed to him, the bad guys, it seems like they're just doing fine. Any of you like David struggling with others? Maybe your hurt is due to the sin of someone else. Why is it that they can sin and you're the one who is hurt while they seem to be doing just fine? Why do I feel like this? One question that might pop in your mind as we go through these first two verses, is it, is it okay to like complain to God and ask questions like that? I mean, those are some hard questions. Is it okay to complain to God? And my answer would be, well, apparently it is. Maybe we can learn something from these verses about how to complain. Because we complain. But often, our complaining is to others. Like one pastor says, if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch, right? We, we complain, but often it's to others. You commiserate with people at work. Your words in your own home are often one of complaint. Yet, how often... Do we direct our complaints to the Lord as the psalmist does here? Maybe we can learn something about what it looks like to complain. I think there's a difference between complaining to others and complaining with others to the Lord. Right? There's a difference between complaining to others and complaining with others to the Lord. In fact, what you see happening here, I kind of breezed over the first phrase, but did you notice the first phrase here in this psalm is, How long, O Lord? The one to whom these questions and complaints are being directed is the Lord. The covenant God of Israel, Yahweh, O Lord. You see it in all capital letters there in your Bible. How long, O Lord? I've been really helped by a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And there the author just traces this common pattern of laments in the Bible and saying it begins by turning. And that's what we see right here in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? He, David's seeing everything around him and feeling everything inside of him and his instinct is, I'm going to turn to the Lord. Turning and then complaining. You're hiding your face from me. You've forgotten me. And then there's going to be an ask. That's the third part of a biblical lament. And we see that in verses 3 and 4. Note the requests or the ask. 
Here's what he says to God. Consider and answer me. And again, turning to God. Oh, Lord, my God. This is who you are. And so it's to you that I turn and I ask you. I plead with you. I beg you, consider and answer me. And listen to how desperate he is. The other, so consider is one request. Answer me is another request. And then the third request is an interesting one. Light up my eyes, he says. And the situation is so desperate that he says, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. One thing you'll note as you go through the Psalms is that often the whole body is involved in all of this. Even just in this short little psalm, we're going to see face, soul, heart, eyes. The idea of being shaken. It's very physical. And oftentimes, isn't that the case with our hurt and pain? The hurt and pain might be mostly physical, but it has effects on really the rest of our body. Maybe it's a pain in a certain area, but it has an effect on everywhere else. Maybe it's a more emotional, mental kind of pain and hurt, and that has an effect on us physically as well. And so you'll note in the Psalms also it often is a whole body then turning to God. You know how you can see this this request, light up my eyes. You know how you can see it in someone's eyes, someone that you know even maybe just sort of well? You can see it in their eyes when they're hurting. Like you can just look at them and know something's, something's not right today. You doing okay? I was feeling like this just the other day. Chris Stoffer happened to come in for something else, and he knows me well enough that he looked at me and he noticed that. Just looking at me. Right? You, you know, you, you can do that with others. Just look at them. Look at their eyes. You know that with yourself. And maybe you try to cover it up. You look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not looking good. And I can see it in my eyes. I know I'm not feeling good. And I can see it in my eyes. And so this request that David has, light up my eyes. Light up my eyes. And in the desperation that he has there, let's acknowledge, church, how we're feeling. Life in a fallen world is hard. And I don't think it does us any good to pretend that it's not. It doesn't do us a lot of good to kind of like put on a shell, to put on a veneer and try to act when we're around other believers like we're doing just fine. Life is fine. We're good. I don't know that it does us a lot of good. I think it's better for us to together turn to the Lord with our complaints. That doesn't mean you maybe complain along with every person you run into, but with people that you know well in your life group, with others, with just a friend, just saying, hey, I'm struggling today. And we turn to the Lord together. And so we're going to spend some time doing that. We're going we're gonna to pray here in a little bit. I'm just going to give some like silent prompt for prayer, and you're just going to sit where you're at uh, and pray for one another. But leading up to that, we're going to sing a new song. Let's, let, let me just pray now while the worship team comes up and then prepares to lead us in singing a song that is new for us. Let's pray. Lord, we, we live in a broken world. Messed up because of the fall. And I, as a pastor, get to see the hurt and pain in a lot of people's lives. And a lot of times we're trying to cover it up in front of others. 
But God, we come before you now as not just people living in a broken world, but people who are broken and hurting in a lot of different ways. And I pray that you would teach us to lament. Thank you for music and the way that it helps us to do that. Thank you that you intended Psalm 13 uh, to be sung. I thank you for this song that we're going to sing now, taken from another psalm of lament that helps us to lament in song. So would you do that in us now? In Jesus' name, amen. So as we follow just the biblical pattern of lament, we're not done yet. Uh, We're not done with Psalm 13, and we don't want to forget this important fourth step. That yes, we turn to the Lord, we bring our complaints before Him, we bring our requests before Him, and then so frequently in these Psalms of Lament, there is this contraction, this word, either usually but or yet, and that's what we see here in verse 5. So let's hear verses 5 and 6. Acknowledging everything that has been said so far in verses 1 through 4, then we hear David say this, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. This this is common to see this kind of turn, and it's a beautiful turn to take. And notice how we don't get there too quickly. A lot of times you think, well, like I should be like the happy Christian person and we just do just verses 5 and 6 and we forget 1, and one 2, 3, and 4. But verses 5 and 6 are all the more beautiful because we feel the pain and reality of life as expressed in verses 1 through 4. And so we get to verses 5 and 6 and we see, note this, that he turns to the past. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. God is the God who made a covenant with David. And and David knows, even though it feels like God has forgotten him, like God has turned his face from him, David knows that God will not ultimately hide from or forget his people. He loves us. And David knows this. So David says, I have trusted in your steadfast love, your covenant love, your never letting go kind of love. I, I know this. I've trusted in this, Lord. And notice how he speaks about the present. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David making a choice in the midst of what feels like a lack of any kind of intimacy with God, like God's forgotten him, like God's hidden him, like he's about to fall apart. He makes the choice in this day, this present day, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He's not saying my heart will rejoice in my hurt, but my heart will rejoice about the God who is with me in my hurt. And then he speaks of the future. I will sing to the Lord. Maybe at that moment he doesn't even feel like singing, but he's saying, I I will. I will sing to the Lord. And then he goes back to the past again to end because he has dealt bountifully with him. So so David can acknowledge that even at the moment where he feels forgotten, desperate, sorrowful, he also remembers that God has dealt bountifully with him. That's a word we don't use very much except for around Thanksgiving time, right? 
The word bountifully. That is far and above, over and above anything that is deserved by David or you or me. We have been given much. We will, we will have been blessed bountifully and we will eat a bountiful feast most likely at some point with some people this week. Knowing that the Lord has dealt bountifully with us is part of what reminds us that we can turn to Him and trust even in the midst of our deepest hurt. So this week, on Thanksgiving, in the midst of our hurt, let's not ignore our hurt, but take it to a God remembering that this God has dealt bountifully with us. We'll sing to the Lord. I love that new song, that, that, uh, that, that chorus in there. And this is what is frequent in Psalms. That was taken from Psalm 42. And in Psalm 42, you see the psalmist telling his self what to do. We've got to talk to ourselves more. Like, that's not crazy. That's good. Maybe a little bit crazy, but good. And to ask ourselves questions and to tell ourselves what we ought to do. So in that song, we sang, And oh, my soul, put your hope in God. I'm just telling myself what to do. That's right, straight out of Psalm 42. Oh, my soul, put your hope in God, my help, my rock. I will praise him. Sing, oh, sing through the raging storm. You're still my God, my salvation. We are blessed immeasurably. He has given to us bountifully. We know that if God was not for us, if he truly had forgotten us, we would be doomed. But we hear this gospel, this good news, that in Christ, God has given us steadfast love and salvation. David only got to see a shadow of that. But we, who are on this side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, can see it so much more fully. In Christ, we have steadfast love and salvation. In Christ, God has surely dealt bountifully with us. God has given us better than we deserve. We have a Savior who, according to Isaiah chapter 53, is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Isn't it good that we have a Savior like that? A man of sorrows. What a description for Jesus. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. A Savior, like I mentioned earlier, who used the psalm of lament while hanging on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The next verse in Isaiah chapter 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Aren't you blessed and grateful and given to bountifully that we would have a Savior like that, who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows? And the very next verse says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. So, fellow sinners and sufferers, Hear this clearly. Apart from trusting in Christ, our situation is far worse than you think it is. Your suffering and your hurt are not just now apart from Christ. Your suffering and your hurt will be eternal apart from Christ. And so I urge you, if you have not repented of sin and put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, knowing this, that you would then turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. And Christian, we must know that in Christ, our situation, though it might seem quite dim right now, it is good for us to be reminded that we are 
being dealt bountifully with. We are getting better than we deserve. It's good for us to be reminded of the gospel, which we'll sing here in a moment. Our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. So that's why we sing, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And we do this waiting. We know that stuff is going to be broken. Like still tomorrow. And still on Thursday, things are still going to be broken and they might get worse rather than getting better. But we're not longing just for the day when we have a temporary relief from the suffering and hurt that we're feeling today. We long for the day when that is gone forever. And so we're also going to sing, And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. And we can sing, even so, it is well with my soul. So that's how we're going to end today. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for a different kind of day. We don't want to be people who are stuck in a rut and only approach you in one way. We see all throughout Scripture, your people approaching you with complaints, turning to you with those things and making requests of you, recognizing how hurt we are and how desperate we are, and help us more frequently to acknowledge that before you. We are broken. We are hurting. And we pray that you would help us to use lament to move from hurt to hope as we turn to you in the midst of our pain, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when it feels like one wave hit us and before we even got back up again, we got knocked down with another wave. And we're just struggling to keep our head above water. God, thank you that you are our rock and our salvation. And thank you that Jesus is coming again. May our hope be firmly grounded in Him today, tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.